and Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. The wake-up call. We live in a time of divisiveness. Right, wrong, truth, lies. Who's right, who's wrong? Facts and alternative facts. Chaos, indecision, stalemate, backsliding. Meanwhile, below the surface, mostly outside the awareness of mainstream media, a shift of consciousness is underway. It's just out of sight, an accelerated undercurrent of perception involving millions of people around the world. It's beyond religion, politics, and mainstream science. At the heart of it is the growing recognition that, as one of our guests on the podcast put it, we're all energetically entangled. We named our podcast The Mystical Underground because it refers to this underlying consciousness, growth, and evolution. It's here that we perceive intuitively through the heart where we might experience astonishing and meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. It's here that you might momentarily connect with a lost loved one, like glimpsing movement where there shouldn't be any, or catching sight of a face in the mirror that isn't our own. These types of experiences are wake-up calls, alerting us to a deeper matrix of reality. And when we pay attention, it's likely that we start experiencing a cascade of synchronicities, as if the universe is advising us to listen up. In December 2019, we entertained the idea of starting our own podcast about synchronicity and the other anomalies we write about. We had been on so many podcasts and radio shows at that point that it seemed like a good idea to start our own, but we were clueless about where to begin. On January 10th, 2020, a date astrologers had pinpointed as a game changer because of a conjunction between Saturn and Pluto. Health officials from Wuhan, China, released genetic data on a virus few of us had ever heard about. It was the beginning of that game changer, but nobody grasped that eventually it would become the equivalent of 9-11 catastrophe on a daily basis. No one knew that the dead would number in the hundreds of thousands in the U.S. and millions worldwide. No, I, no one had any idea about how politicized the pandemic would become. On the evening of January 10th, Trish was on Instagram and traded remarks about Star Wars with a man named John Posey. John suddenly asked Trish if she and Rob had considered starting a podcast. That synchronicity started our podcasting adventure. <clears throat> we talked with John at length four days later, tossing around ideas and possible names for the podcast. John is officially a senior software engineer for a government agency, but says his job is actually problem solver. On the creative front, he's a musician with a recording studio set up at his home in Alabama. He had produced one other podcast, knew the mechanics, and we all agreed to do the podcast as long as it was fun. Rob came up with the title, The Mystical Underground, and John was surprised that it was still available. Our daughter, Megan, created a logo, and we started brainstorming about guests. We realized we knew a lot of people doing and experiencing unusual things in the metaphysical world. Writers, past life therapists, astrologers, shamans, witches, mediums, divination experts, alleged alien abductees, podcasters who tackle out, outlier topics, 
and psychologists and a psychiatrist and other researchers on the frontiers of mainstream science. In February, before a pandemic had been declared by WHO, we did our first podcast of the mystical underground. Since then, we've recorded nearly every Sunday. The format has evolved over time, but at its core, the theme is about a growing shift in collective consciousness, a deepening of that awareness, a spiritual awakening, and how this pandemic may be its trigger. As the podcast evolved, we started asking our guests how they perceived the pandemic, quarantine, lockdowns, and the chaotic political scene. How are these events impacting global consciousness? The response was overwhelmingly positive. Despite the inconveniences, people in lockdown had time to think about who they were, about their passions, about what they really wanted to do with their lives. Uh, the time they had now for self-reflection was a precious commodity. Even though many segments of the economy screeched to a halt, we began to see the eruption of hope on the horizon. New ideas implemented, new businesses going mainstream. As more and more people worked remotely, Zoom became the preferred venue for meetings, family celebrations, cocktail hours, weddings, even funerals. Amazon became the lifeline to consumer spending because we never had to leave our homes. It also may be the giant that kills retail, malls, and all the other places we've been shopping at for the last 50 years. The pandemic was the external game changer, but something more subtle was happening. We're at the beginning or in the midst of a paradigm shift. You can sense the last gasp of the old paradigm in the politics of the pandemic, in the politics of the election, all of it coming to a head on January 6, 2021, with the attempted insurrection to overturn the results of a fair election. One day in the fall of <clears throat> 2020, we heard a commenter say that if you ever wish you lived in a time when there was an opportunity to change the world, now is that time. You were there. That's because everything is broken. Nothing gets done. It's a time of chaos us versus them. He was talking about the political world and the inability of the right and the left to compromise and accomplish anything. As a result, the commentator continued, the pandemic is much worse than if there had been a united effort with strong leadership. Individuals and businesses affected by the pandemic have waited for months for Congress to provide help. Even on issues such as infrastructure, where everyone agrees that the roads and bridges need repair, approval was stalled for months and that followed four years of promises and no action at all. Yet the commentator saw all of this as an opportunity. He might have been hinting at the shift. Early in the pandemic, with lockdowns, quarantines, masks, vaccines, and their polit politicalization, we heard from friends and strangers experiencing cascades of synchronicities. They tend to happen more frequently when our lives are in flux, divorce, marriage, birth of a child, a, a significant move, the death of a parent or a pandemic, which feels like the earth itself is in flux. For the first time in 50 years, the pollution in the skies of India cleared away so substantially that the Himalayas were visible. Air travel pretty much came to a standstill. People weren't driving much. Humanity's mobility was slowed and limited and gas consumption worldwide plunged. At one point during the summer of 2020, we heard more and more reports about how the solitude was prompting people to think differently about their lives. Remote work, sticking close to home, not traveling or seeing family and friends were more like isolation than just solitude. Some people we talked with and heard from changed careers, others got married or divorced, and still others started pursuing their passions, whatever they were. We realized that this isn't just the, the planet that's in flux, so is humanity. The shift is underway. Now we're in the fall of 2021. 
As of October 4th, 57% of Americans have been vaccinated and another 66% have received at least one dose. Controversies rage over masks and whether schools should mandate them for all teachers and students. For For months, a sham election audit was going on in Arizona by a group called, yes, this is for real, Cyber Ninjas. And they concluded that Biden did win and found another several hundred more votes for him. Trump continues telling the big lie that he won the election. It was stolen from him. And the MyPillow guy keeps moving the date when Trump will be magically magically reinstated as president. As each day as each date is passed, my pillow sets another. The latest is Thanksgiving, all part of a thriving but challenged but fact-challenged alternative reality that continues to put democracy in peril. The old the old paradigm is not giving up without a fight. State legislatures controlled by Republicans are busy finding ways to suppress the number of voters in large Democratic cities and subvert elections by taking over the formerly neutral voter offices. It's all done in the name of election integrity, but it has been relegated to an alternative reality. The age of Aquarius. On December 21st, 2020, the winter equinox, Jupiter and Saturn were conjunct invisible in the evening sky for the first time in 20 years. But the conjunction in this air sign, Aquarius, hasn't happened since 1405. Air signs are about ideas and Aquarius is a sign of revolution, the rebel, rogue, visionary, innovator. And it's the innovator part of that archetype that was at work in getting vaccines to the market so quickly in less than a year after the pandemic had been declared. This conjunction promises tremendous advances in technology, medicine, science, humanitarian causes, and dealing with climate change. Astrologers believe that since the conjunction of these two planets was at zero degrees of Aquarius, it denotes the beginning of the age of Aquarius. They may be right. Jupiter in Aquarius urges us to be innovative, to expand our horizons, our spiritual beliefs, to embrace the family of man. Its mantra could be, we are all one. Saturn, which usually constricts, is also a builder. Saturn in Aquarius creates a foundation, a structure for this new paradigm. However, Saturn also represents the status quo, the business as usual mantra. And it's clear that business as usual isn't working for everyone anymore. An ideological tug of war is evident in every facet of our lives, politics, religion, education, economics, everything. The times they are changing, Bob Dylan sang. In each part of the song, the lyrics address different groups, writers and critics, senators and congressmen, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, about what's coming. Don't criticize what you don't understand, sings Dylan, or for he that gets hurt will be who has stalled, or even more to the point, if your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. Even though Dylan was addressing the turmoil of the 60s, the words certainly describe where we are now with turmoil over vaccines and mask wearing and political unrest from both the right and the left, personal freedoms versus the collective good. None of us can say with any certainty where this paradigm shift will take us as a collective or as individuals. And yet, maybe we know more about it than we think. As our podcast progressed into the new year, we saw that the mystical underground encompasses stranger, more complex events, spirits of deceased loved ones, human and animal, who use whatever they can to communicate with the living, alien abductees, out-of-body travelers, autistics who are believed to be highly evolved beings helping humanity to ascend, past life researchers and therapists, visionaries who predict the future and believe an evolution of consciousness is already underway. It's these millions who populate the mystical underground and their numbers multiply daily. 
Yet none of this is new. In the 1500s, Nostradamus sat for hours staring into a bowl of water as visions of the future danced in front of that, in front of him, and some of what he predicted has happened. In Kentucky in the 1930s, Edgar Cayce stretched out on a couch and fell into a trance-like sleep and pre- prescribed remedies for people who consulted him about health problems. He talked about their past lives, their next lives, their souls. He became known as a sleeping prophet after the after author Jesterns' book by that name was published. Casey was probably the most documented psychic of the 20th century. One even in 19 one evening in 1963, writer Jane Roberts and her husband Robert Butts played around with a Ouija board. After several sessions, Roberts anticipated what the Ouija's answer would be. Then she started speaking the answers, and the voice identified itself as Seth. Over the next 20 years, until Roberts died in 1984, she channeled more than 20 Seth books about the nature of reality. Then there are the really big names today in the mystical underground, the ones who pre-pandemic wrote best-selling books and held workshops all over the world. Esther Hicks, Deepak Chopra, Yuri Geller, Brian Weiss, Joe Dispenza, John Edwards, Carolyn Mice, to name a few. But during the pandemic, Zoom gatherings replaced workshops. What seems to be emerging from the social isolation of this pandemic is a profound awareness of this underground place, its inherent power to bring about major global change and usher in, well, the Aquarian age. The lyrics of the age of Aquarius from the Broadway musical sum it up nicely. I won't sing this for you folks. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will guide the planets and love will steer the stars. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. In other words, a more egalitarian world where things are like this. Harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust abounding. No more falsehoods or derisions. Golden living dreams of visions. Even though the ideas endemic to the mystical underground aren't new, everything else is. It's evident in the openness uh, people now have to synchronicity, spirit contact, mediumship, alien abductions, energy healers, UFOs, and their willingness to talk about their own experiences. That's a radical change from just a decade ago, when people were more tight-lipped, probably out of fear that they would be written off as nuts and weirdos. This openness may also be due to cultural changes evident in entertainment. Shows like Resident Alien, The Umbrella Academy, Medium, Outlander, Travelers, The Queen's Gambit, My Octopus Teacher are born in the mystical underground. In the end, the energy of the mystical underground is all around us, whispering, beckoning tossing out hints and clues like it's all some intriguing board game. We either listen and answer this wake-up call or we don't. Signs and symbols. We live in a sea of signs and symbols that are speaking to us constantly in the voice of synchronicity. During this transformative pandemic, these signs and symbols, both large and small, have served as wake-up calls for many of us. During the pandemic, Trish stopped going to the gym and started bike riding in the afternoons. On these rides, she usually stated her intention to experience a synchronicity. Her route took her through our neighborhood, a half, a half mile circle, and then out onto a sidewalk that eventually fed into a nearby equestrian community. One afternoon, as she was coming out of our neighborhood and headed for the sidewalk, she realized the bushes blocked her view of the sidewalk she would turn onto. She wouldn't be able to see if anyone was headed her way. In normal times, this wouldn't even be an issue because bicyclists in this area were rare. But since the pandemic, nothing had been normal and people were finding ways to exercise safely. Her first thought was that maybe she returned to the street and make that turn because she would have a straight on view of the sidewalk. And in the event someone was racing toward her, she would see the person first. 
She suddenly realized this scenario she imagined might be a precognition. Sure enough, just as she was turning onto the sidewalk, a guy on a road bike nearly slammed into her. He yelped, yikes, and veered away from her. It was her wake-up call that despite how not normal things were, synchronicity continued to hum along in her life. She told Rob about the near collision, and then a couple weeks later it happened again. This time she was coming around the corner from the opposite direction and nearly slammed into Rob, who had just decided to go for a bike ride. A trickster synchro. On another afternoon, she detoured down a long road that parallels a canal on one side and a construction site on the other. Before the road ends at a gate, there's a turnoff she takes into the parking lot of a police substation. There's another canal there that separates the substation from several equestrian estates. <clears throat> on this day, she stops at the police station lot because her cell was vibrating in the back pocket of her shorts. She slipped out her cell, saw an unfamiliar number, and didn't answer it. As she glanced up, she noticed a mockingbird perched in the low hedge between her and the canal. She was close enough to it so that it should have flown off. Instead, it turns its head toward her and made some sounds, as if in greeting. She moved a little closer to snap a photo. It still didn't fly away. She snapped a couple photos, pushed her bike a little closer, and took some more pictures. It still didn't fly away. Why not? The, es the esoteric meaning of mockingbird is multifaceted. The power of mimicry, speaking your truth, communication. It asks, how do we communicate and interact with others? What should we rethink or tweak in that interaction? Shortly before the Mockingbird experience, Trish had been asked to join Bernie Beitman's coincidence project. Beitman is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to undertake a serious study of meaningful coincidence. He's a visiting professor at the University of Virginia, podcaster and author. We've been on his podcast a couple of times and he has been on ours. Trish was curious about the project, but hesitant about committing to a monthly gathering for an hour and a half on a Thursday morning. Then she remembered the Mockingbird and decided to give it a shot. At the end of that first Zoom meetup, she suggested they also meet for a monthly coincidence cafe, more casual, bring your own coffee, tea, wine. David Strabala, who filmed a documentary on synchronicity, and Trish volunteered to host the second cafe. He started with an archetypal fairy tale that illustrates the point that way too often we look for answers and treasures in different places rather than right at home where we are. Now Trish attends Zoom meetups every first Thursday of the month for the Coincidence Project and every third Sunday for the month for the Coincidence Cafe and loves it. The Mockingbird had given her a nudge and she followed him. Signs and symbols aren't limited to birds or even bicyclists. They can occur anywhere, at any time, and involve virtually anything. Music, books, numbers, photos, animals, people, and aims, dreams. The, most, the important thing is to decipher the message. Throughout this book, you'll encounter people whose lives were changed by figuring out a synchronistic experience. When you experience a synchronicity, don't buy into what skeptics will tell you, that it's just a coincidence, you know, random and doesn't mean a thing. In Carl Jung's scheme of things, when inner and outer events come to way, together in a way that is meaningful to you and can't be explained by cause and effect, it qualifies as a synchronicity. So when you experience it, own it, explore it, understand it, decipher it and that will launch a journey for you that has no equal. One person in Beitman's Coincidence Project said that the pandemic for her had resulted in a scarcity of, of synchronicities because she hadn't left her familiar environment. While it's true that we tend to experience more synchronicities when we're outside what's familiar and known, it's also true that the phenomena happens even when we're immersed in our own space, but the texture of the experience differs, and the quality of the experience depends on how open we are to guidance. For example, after dinner one evening, Rob noticed that the oven 
oven light was on and wondered how that had happened since he never turned that light on and Trish hadn't been involved in making any part of the dinner preparation. After turning it off, he went to his office and returned to reading a book called Extraordinary Contact, Life Beyond Intruders by Deborah Jordan Cobble, who would be a guest on our podcast that week. And within a couple of minutes came to a passage in a chapter on poltergeist experiences in which Deborah mentioned how her own oven light had come on. One day during Trisha's run to our local Publix for groceries, the day before the store closed on Easter Sunday, she stopped at the lottery machine on her way out. She bought her usual $2 lottery scratch off and was gonna buy a $2 gold rush for Rob, but they didn't have any $1 bills left. <laughs> she decided she would buy the $5 gold rush, pulled a five from her wallet and reached for her lottery of purchase. There resting next to it was a $5 gold rush card that she hadn't bought. She stared at it for a moment, looked at the $5 bill she still held and laughed. Whoever had been at the machine before her probably had bought a bunch of tickets and walked away before this one had popped out. For her, it was an immediate manifestation, small synchro, but interesting. Another layer to it, Rob won $5 on the free, $5 on the free $5 card. Recently, a friend, Ray Getzinger, sent us one of these rapid synchronicities. Earlier tonight, I read that G. Gordon Liddy died at the age of 90. Five minutes later, I watched the end of an episode of Miami Vice in which Liddy got away from Crockett and Tubbs by sailing off into wherever, wherever actors disappear to. We're not sure what these types of rapid coincidences mean. They probably entail telepathy, which falls under the umbrella of synchronicity as we see it. No matter your situation, synchronicity persists in small ways, a thread that is woven throughout our lives. And more and more people are noticing and paying attention to signs and symbols and synchronicities as they sense a shift in consciousness. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.